Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And the Music of America podcast continues. We're up in Cummings, Georgia, and we're going to talk with singer-songwriter Cannon Tyler, ironically, a friend of our gentleman that was on just yesterday, Mason Parker. I was talking to a friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook called Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a, a how-to guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone in any relationship knows, is crucial. So as we spoke later in the conversation, I mentioned this book again, Two Years After Forever is the name of the book I said my brother wrote. And she stops me and says, oh, wait a minute, your brother's book. I thought you meant a book you borrowed from your brother. <laughs> Three little words, my brother's book. And we had two different interpretations. Well, in two years after forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back on track to why two years ago, you pledged a life together forever. Two years after forever. Two years after forever.com and available at Amazon today and forever. Let's get into this, Canon. As I told Mason yesterday, when I first began this endeavor, I started building a studio in my basement. And while I'm building the studio in my basement, I would listen to the music people submitted for us to do that we'll be playing in, in your podcast. And your music was one of those that I, I, I would just stop working and just <laughs> listen to it. Uh, one of the songs we're not going to be playing was one of my first favorite songs of City City Limit Sign, right? Or City... Yeah, City Limit Sign. Limit, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just really cool. And it, it, not, not a haunting me melody but just a good standard traditional, like kind of what I call a traditional country sound. Yeah. Not so much of the today, today country kind of thing, you know? So uh, is that, on? is that intentional? Cause that seems to be your, your vibe. You seem to have that contemporary country or the traditional country style with a taste of contemporary flavor. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I could, that that might be uh that might be not totally inaccurate yeah um well when it comes to writing you know the 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 last album is kind of uh you know i call it a traditional like folk country type of thing yeah um it was you know a batch of songs i had written after um leaving this band i had been a part of for four years and uh i was trying to figure out you know I was writing all these songs um, and I was just trying to figure out, you know, the flavors I wanted to put over it. And kind of the first thing I was drawn to was uh, guys like John Prine and Towns Van Zandt. Yeah. Um, those kind of, you know, I guess you, the seventies kind of folk country movement. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, you know, there's a, there's a Towns Van Zandt live album called uh, Rearview Mirror and it's Towns, and his guitar and another guitar and a fiddle and it's real stripped down. And I originally we were going to try and cut a live album um, at a venue I used to play at called Crimson Moon in Dahlonega, Georgia, which is now defunct, unfortunately, but it was a, it was a really cool room. And uh, we ended up cutting it. Um, you know, it was still kind of in the, in the COVID times yeah. And we ended up cutting it in a uh, in an auditorium at the University of North Georgia in um, in Dahlonega. So it's like, a, I guess you call it like a studio live. 
It yeah. wasn't an audience, but it was me, a fiddle player, and my good friend Emily Baker, who sings uh, harmonies. And you know, we were going for a stripped down kind of folk country thing, and that's what came out. You know, I listened to a lot of that stuff, but I was at the time I was listening to a lot of like more, I guess, modern neo traditional. You might call it guys like Brent Cobb and Stapleton, and you know, I was discovering the the kind of Appalachian movement with guys like Tyler Childers and Sturgill and all them. Yeah. How'd you get started? When did you, did you start playing first? Did you start singing first? Did you start writing first? I, uh, I always, I say this at my shows. I'm, I'm a guitar player first and foremost. Uh-huh. Um, I picked up a guitar when I was, I guess I was about 10 years old. And, uh, and it's funny cause I didn't really start with, you know, acoustic music at all. I was, I picked up an electric guitar. I don't want to play ACDC. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I did that for a long time. And, uh, but my dad, um, I have my dad to thank for my taste in like classic rock and stuff, but he also got me on to like Neil Young and James Taylor, uh-huh. uh, Jackson Brown. And those guys were kind of, the, those were the first stuff I listened to where I didn't really care what the electric guitar player was doing. It was more about the song, especially with Neil Young. I, I think, Neil Young's probably my first songwriting hero. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, with the uh, the Harvest album, right? That, that work, and uh, and then like the Sweet Baby James album by James Taylor. You know, I was I was doing when I got I was about eighteen or nineteen, I guess when when I uh, started uh, playing a rock band, and um, you know, I was I was you know really got into writing songs around that time i guess i started writing songs when i was or attempting to when i was about 16 or 17 and i always found it hard to write like you know rock music because i was trying to be real lyrical with it and it was but you know when when it comes to rock music i just like the four on the floor boss of the wall thing yeah yeah and it's hard to be doing you know real lyrical stuff with that and so you know i was playing this rock music and I was writing rock music, but I was listening to a lot of like Neil Young and uh, Jackson Brown in my free time. And so, uh, you know, the rock, we did the rock band and it, it, it just never really went anywhere. And so we had a lot of lineup changes and um, it was, it was kind of something I did while I was, while I was in school and I had this grand illusion. I was going to take off one day and it didn't. And, you know, I was starting to, um, I actually went on a trip out west. Uh, I have some relatives out there. I have an aunt in Colorado, just outside. I have two aunts, actually, in Colorado, outside of Golden, or outside of Denver in a town called Golden. And uh, I just spent a week, you know, kind of in the Rockies and listening to a lot of uh, – they, they're they really big, like, John Denver fans. So yeah, I was listening yeah. to that stuff. And my aunt has a 71 uh, Martin D18. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, nice. that was – she bought it like in 72 or 73 and you know i didn't take any guitars out there so i just spent the whole week on her and i never really had a nice acoustic so i spent the whole week playing that you know and playing neil young songs and just like sitting outside on their porch looking at kind of the the flat iron range that's uh kind of as a foothill to the rockies um you know and i came i came back i was like i kind of would rather be doing this yeah because i just sitting there with an acoustic guitar i had so many like starts to songs and i think some of them ended up being like starts to like city limit sign and 
bulletproof there on my first album the songs that i was writing weren't rock music i was writing a lot of folk folk type stuff and so i decided to give that a shot and here i am three four years later quite a storied history for a young man i mean you've done a lot in a short period of time that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah uh, well i've i've been i've always been really really obsessive with music so i kind of always felt like i'd do something with it and i was always looking for a way to do something with it so you know when as soon as i as soon as i quit that band it was like all right i'm gonna go buy uh acoustic and start putting together a set and went from there how often are you playing now um so i'm doing music for for a living these days so it's three to four days a week every week pretty much some days some weeks just do you know but uh yeah i'm playing um pretty much every thursday friday saturday kind of running a circuit between my little corner of north georgia uh in the mountains and um western north carolina eastern tennessee um started going down into like the birmingham area in alabama and kind of like the greenville clemson area in south carolina keeps you busy can you make a living obviously you are are you doing something other than are you teaching I quit my day job June of 2022. And so for the last year, music's been my main occupation. Oh, I, I do some side work, you know, on like a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. There's not really any gigs to be played. And right. if I'm real caught, if I'm caught up on booking, you know, if I'm, if I'm booked three, four months out. Yeah. And the bars I'm playing aren't booking. It's like, all right, sometimes I'll go um, my old day job. They they need some uh, help sometimes. I'll go in and help them out or I do some session work sometimes when someone oh, wants yeah. something. Uh, if someone wants some like flat pick style acoustic guitar, they usually that's uh I think Mason first told me about the podcast uh at the end of last year when I started doing I laid down some uh guitar parts for him. Uh-huh. Oh, so you work with, with Mason. Okay, yeah. Well I I he was recording a song and he wanted someone to play some telecaster on it and he gave me a call and I grabbed my telecaster and went over there and laid down some parts. That's yeah, fun, man. That's fun. Yeah. Small world getting smaller. Now the yeah. <laughs> the the first few songs that you sent us from were from a previous CD. You've got a new album coming out, or new, uh, or is it just a new song? That's it's out. a new album. So on October twenty seventh, I'm going to be putting out this album that I've been busting my butt over the last <laughs> six months. So uh, called Thickets and Brambles, and it's kind of uh, I guess it's it's the more realized um, version of the music I want to do. It's more, it's kind of a step away from the, I guess, quote unquote country thing and a little step towards more of a bluegrass roots music thing. Yeah. I'm up in Burlington, Vermont, and they have a mm. festival about an hour north of here every year called the Jesus Crow Festival. And this year was all bluegrass Americana stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it a good was- time to be... Uh, uh, it's a good, and there's kind of a boom in that music going on right now, which is yeah. cool because, uh, um, it, you know, I happened to get into it you know, as the, as the train was starting to, you know, kind of take off. Yeah. That's all right, man. As long as you're hitched on, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not really as, as, uh, concerned with hopping on the train. I just enjoy the music and yeah. it seems like. People enjoy it when I go out there. Now you were talking about your influences. You were talking about Neil Young and Jackson Brown, two of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And one name I was hoping to hear was Dan Fogelberg. And the reason why, he has a, a bluegrass album called High Country, well, kind of a country bluegrass album called High Country Snows, which breaks away 
from his standard run for the roses, longer songs yeah. type of music. Leader of the does. band. Yeah. Leader of the band, yeah. And when I saw the new song that you're sending that we're gonna start here, he had a song on that album called Go Down Easy. And the song <laughs> we're gonna play is Let Me Down Easy. That's funny. I had no idea. And I just I just put those two together when I, I, I glanced at my notes about the song and I'm like, we gotta mention Fogelberg, man. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom really likes Fogelberg. Yeah. Have you checked out that album? Have you ever heard that? I haven't. I'm not familiar with it. I, I think the extent of my knowledge of Dan Fogelberg is that leader of the band song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you might <laughs> want to check it out. It's just it's it's such a different style for him. And then where music is today with, with bluegrass and Americana, he was decades before himself with that just really it's a fascinating album that has yeah. the song go down easy which sets me up to talk about your song let me down easy so tell us the evolution of that song and and how it came about what inspired that idea and uh take it from there sure so yeah let me down easy is um is the first single off this uh album i've been working on and uh after after I put out Hanging On, my last album, um, I really was doing some... So let me first say, um, Emily Baker, who is sings the harmonies on Hanging On, is also singing the harmonies on uh, all this, most of the songs on Think It's and Brambles, including Let Me Down Easy, uh -huh. um, is one of my... Her and her husband Ethan are two like of my best friends, and they're kind of my my music nerd friends. And around the time, or maybe a little before, uh, we we did hanging on. Your um, music nerd friends, I love. That. Yeah, <laughs> my music nerd friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true. We we when we hang out. We're just talking about you know music. Yeah, she kind of grew up in a bluegrass family, so you know all throughout when I was younger, when we were hanging out and I was doing the rock band thing, she'd be like, this is cool. We need to check out some of this music. I mean, the guitar playing is insane and this and this and that. And I was like, whatever. And then kind of closer towards, or maybe around the time I was quitting the band, you know, I was getting into acoustic music. A lot of acoustic music, especially for a guitar player is, um, you know, cowboy chords and just strumming and not a lot of anything fancy, which is, which is totally fine. Um, not knocking that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, being a guitar player, I'm always looking for something, you know, challenging, I guess. And she turned me on to, um, guys like Tony Rice, yeah. who was, yeah, yeah. Who's a kind of, if, if for anyone who's not aware, I guess the best way to put it is like the, the Jimi Hendrix of bluegrass guitar. So it turned me on to stuff like that through that. I kind of, you know, found guys like doc Watson and uh, one of my favorites is a guy named Norman Blake. And uh, I'd be lying if I'd say this all didn't coincide with a guy named uh, Billy Strings getting real popular. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it's funny, you know, she was telling me about Tony and then Doc Watson and the Stanley Brothers and all this stuff. And then here comes, you know, I think that was right around the time some of the Billy Strings stuff started really going viral. And just seeing that guy play guitar and seeing like Tony Rice play guitar, I was like, okay, this is really cool. I didn't under, I never knew you could get that kind of power out of a uh, out of an acoustic guitar. So anyway, the point of that backstory is to say that um, kind of as I've been getting into acoustic music, um, bluegrass has been a really big part of that. And um, I didn't really, I had some songs that were starting to 
go down that lane when we recorded Hanging On. Um, I think that there's a song on that album called Leaving Again that has a little, it's not, I wouldn't call it a bluegrass song, but it has kind of that style of playing in it. Yeah. Um, and so over the last two years, I spent a lot of time like woodshedding my guitar playing and really diving into that kind of music while also, you know, I still listen to like Neil Young and a lot of James Taylor and uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of, um, you know, newer guys like Tyler and Sturgill and uh, as well as guys like, you know, Towns and John Prine. At the same time, you know, being I've, I've kind of got really into the I guess you call it the Appalachian folk music because a lot of people don't think of Georgia as being like a mountain state, but kind of my corner in uh, in North Georgia is it's actually the start. It's the southern terminus of the Appalachian Trail. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I so, mean, I knew they were in Georgia. I didn't know what was the, I guess, the start, the southern start. Start or end, depending on which way you're going. Right. <laughs> you're um, going north so, or south, right? <laughs> yeah, I grew up in the north part of uh, of Dawson County, uh -huh. close to, um, I think I was, I was only like 10 or 15 miles away from Springer Mountain, where it starts. It's, it's kind of funny. It's I always say Dawson County has this weird split where the southern half of the county is uh, Metro Atlanta, and that's becoming increasingly true because it used to be a very small town, and now it's just kind of growing into this asphalt strip mall nightmare but the northern half of the county is i would say has more in common with places like western north carolina and east tennessee than it does the rest of georgia and so that kind of music has always been a part of my growing up because if you go to any fall festival any uh, any part of north georgia there's always bluegrass band playing or they're playing bluegrass music dahlonega where which is the next town north of where i grew up where i went to school at the university of north georgia is a big bluegrass town there's a bluegrass festival every spring called Barrel and Square. Every Saturday after that through, I think, October, there's a bluegrass jam on the square. So bluegrass is kind of ingrained into where I grew up. Yeah. It just took me until I was about 20 to embrace it. Ricky Skaggs song years ago called Don't Get Above Your Raisin. Yeah. You know? yeah. And in this case, it's like, don't get, a, don't get above your music raisin, your music learning, you know? Don't uh, don't. It's like it's basically saying don't don't forget your roots. Yeah, absolutely. Them, so. Putting all that together, when I started to um, you know start to write the next batch of songs after hanging on, a lot of that bluegrass stuff came up to the top, made itself. It got kind of came out, and that's where all like the the flat picking guitar and the fiddle comes from. Lyrically, that's I actually wrote that song sitting on a roof one evening. No kidding. I was going through some stuff, you know, and I was I was real sick of being bummed out. And it had been a while, and I was like, real, just kind of sad sack. Yeah. And I was sick. I was sick of it. I was sitting on. I was living in a townhouse at the time, still working my day job, and uh, you could kind of go out onto the roof from where my, my bedroom was. And I was sitting out there. I was, you know, playing guitar, and I was just working on some exercises out of like a D shape. Started messing around with that opening sequence you hear in the song. Started singing, and I had been listening to a lot of. I guess it was like Stanley Brothers with the big harmonies stuff. Yeah. And this this line, that first line came to me of pick yourself up off the floor and meet another day as a way of just being like, I guess, come on, pick yourself up and let's get over this. Well, and, it's an you interesting know, line to you. Meet the other, meet instead of just existing. You're actually <laughs> greeting it now. You're going forward now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of had like a visual of someone had maybe been out on a drunk and on the floor, pass out on the floor and the sun starts coming through the screen door of like, it's like, okay, come on, we got to shake this off. Wrote it, picturing that three-part harmony you hear in the song. So I kind of 
wrote the whole thing based around what that harmony structure would be like. That's so cool because I've been talking so much to songwriters lately and how many different ways people come after our songs come after the songwriter and the songwriter goes after the song. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I say I structured it that way, but you know, one of the things you always hear songwriters talk about is these songs that just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. And just like writes itself. It was kind of one of those. There was, there's some songs where I've like, it just kind of pops out on the paper in 10 minutes. This one, like that first verse just came out of nowhere. It was just kind of figuring out where to take it after that. I think it was like, there's a lot of songs I write that take a couple revisions. That one took like two. Wow. Pretty cool. Well, we're going to play it. This is the first song off the new album that'll be coming out in October with Ken and Tyler. And this song is called Let Me Down Easy.
Let Me Down Easy with Canon Tyler from Cummings, Georgia on the Music of America podcast. You know, we've all done this. We've had that perfect tone in the amp. You spend an hour or so trying to set up your amp just the right way, and then you're set. And then the owner comes up and says, hey, you're, you're a little too loud. Can you, ch- you know, turn that down? <laughs> and you have to change that which you spent all day trying to achieve, that, that tone, you know, where you're always in the sweet spot, right? Well, introducing the Lexi from Landry Amps. It's a quality boutique amp, has 100 watts of vintage Plexi circuit at its core, with a rhythm crunch channel, a boosted lead channel, digital reverb, tube buffered effects loop, depth control, and an awesome voice switch. Each channel has its own gain and master control, but they share the EQ. This Landry amp has more gain than a Plexi, everywhere from a whisper to concert level volumes, and is designed to be played at those lower volumes. You know what I mean? That heavy martial tone used to require lots of volume to achieve can now be obtained at less volume without the tonal loss. Check them out at Landry Amps. They have a YouTube channel where you can see the whole array of Bill Landry's amps, or check them out at his website, LandryAmps, www.LandryAmps.com. So, Cannon, you're still mostly acoustic, though, right? When you're yeah. Playing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you did mention a telly. Yeah, well, like I said, I used to be in a, in a rock and roll band, so I still have, I still keep an electric guitar around. I hardly ever pick it up, but I can still... I've been known to sling a couple of licks on a Telecaster here and there. <laughs> also, I should, I, I'm sorry, I should have caught this earlier, but actually from, uh, I'm from Dawsonville, Georgia. Oh, uh, okay. That counts, but, uh, okay. Yeah, I just don't want to let my Dawsonville peeps down. <laughs> that's right. That's right. They're the ones that, go, that's, go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> you said you went to college at North Georgia? The University of North Georgia in Dahlonega. Yes. Yes, okay. I did. And what was your major? Were you a music major? No, I was a, uh, I was a, I was a business major. Oh, okay. I had the, I had the idea in my head, you know, everybody tells you you need to go to at least get a business degree. Right. If you're, if you're not going to do anything else. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just go to school until, uh, until the band blows up and the band never blew up. So I ended up getting a degree. <laughs> and then you got a job and then you just said, which is, you can take that knowledge you have from a business degree though and you have to be applying that to your oh for sure physical for career sure. and yeah. that's why you're I, having success if, if anything I've, I've taken the, the the finance and accounting part and just been using that to somewhat manage my uh my books and stuff for taxes doing this music thing for a living and attempt not to go to prison <laughs> well that's just a whole whole new experience get you to write more music right yeah, <laughs> I'm like what different Johnny Cash, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So one of the songs you wrote and sent to us, when I say the phrase, just and I mentioned this earlier, it's just such a great concept. Empty brown bottles. Yeah, you know, it just as soon as it, the images that conjures up, and then when you hear the song, I, I picture a guy just. Laying with his arm draped over the side of the couch, and he wakes up and he looks over. He just sees a bunch of empty brown bottles on the table, and just says, "Not today." <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was proud of that one. That was one of the ones, uh, you know. And I really dove into starting to write my own music. That I uh-huh. felt, uh, I really felt like that one didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we gauge our music now? Well, that one didn't really suck as much as the others. So, <laughs> well, pretty much because you know when I, you know. I think every songwriter goes through um, 
the initial phase of songwriting that a lot of them do suck, you know, yeah. and then slowly the ones start to come, come out that, that don't, and, you know, I think that was especially true when I started to write real lyrical heavy stuff versus the kind of party rock music I used to write. The question I ask a lot of songwriters is this, like, what is your process if you have one? So what is your process for writing? I'm pretty terrible about not having a process, honestly. A lot, a lot of my songs come from uh, sitting outside or whatever, sitting on the couch or sitting on a roof later at night, just messing around with a guitar out of boredom or frustration or just because I feel like playing, you know, whichever one. And uh, usually it, it, I'll, I'll catch a part or something that sounds cool and just play it over and over um, until come up with something or sometimes we play and a melody will just come into my head and I'll write that down and try to usually what happens is is I'll get a phrase or maybe like an idea for a chorus and I'll flesh that out and then try to try to write a song around it empty brown bottles was a little different it was just it was a fall night I want to say I was worn out from from work because I was working like 50 hours a week uh, not hard stuff. I don't want to come off like I'm trying to sound like I was, you know, down in the mines or anything. I, I wasn't not doing like labor intensive stuff, but it was long days, and uh, those days feel real long after the time changes and you get home and it's dark. Yeah, it was dark. Oh, left. Yeah. It was one day I was just kind of sitting out. I was in an apartment. I just moved out of my parents' house for the first time. I was kind of late on that. I didn't move out till I was like 22 or 23, just because uh, I never felt I could never afford it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I was sitting outside and watching the sunset and working on this finger picking part and it was one of those songs just kind of wrote itself i don't really know where it came from probably just kind of being frustrated with being lonely because uh it was right it was 2020 and that was yeah. right that was still when everybody's real real kind of worried and a lot of stuff was still locked down so uh there wasn't a lot of socializing and it was i had moved out in february of 2020 so i'm like all right it's gonna be a party yeah or not <laughs> surprise really, not really that but i was like okay you know it'd be a lot of going out to the bar and hanging out with friends and stuff and that didn't happen so uh yeah i was i guess i was just a little frustrated one day and that song came out well i love it i really i mean it's, it's a, to me it's just it's a it's a quintessential if that's right quintessential country song it's got just the right right hook to it right imagery and the title yeah. Empty Brown Bottles. We're going to play it for you right here. Ken and Tyler. And Empty Brown Bottles.
Empty brown bottles helped me finish my basement and studio listening to music like that with Cannon Tyler, Dawsonville, Georgia. I'm your host, Tom Pollard, on the Music of America podcast. We're going to be back with Cannon in a minute. But this is really, really simple. You buy Kitty's litter box, open the box, place the litter in the box, introduce the box to your cat. After the cat has done their business for about a month or so, close the box and throw it away. That's it. Just close the box, grab the handle of this biodegradable box, and throw it away. It's perfect for traveling with your favorite feline. It's affordable, and it's convenient. And that's one of the things I really didn't like about cats. I don't know how it became my job, but I always hated cleaning the litter box. Well, if Kitty's litter box were around 20 years ago, who knows? I might still have cats. Kitty's litter box, all lowercase, kittyslitterbox.com. Order today. It's perfect. Tell me about, Cannon, tell me about the recording process. Did you play on all your recordings or do you play on all your recordings? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I, I'm a little prideful with my guitar playing, so I always do all the guitar stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, as far as processes, um, I would say they've been wildly different from the way we did my first album, Hanging On, and the way I've done the upcoming album. Um, the, the hanging on I did with some, some fellows up at, uh, University of North Georgia. And like I said, we basically put a mic in front of me, put a mic on the, on the fiddle and put some microphones in front of us and just played the songs. Huh. And that was it. 
I mean, there were there there was they took it and they had they have a they have a studio. Um, a couple of guys run a studio together, and they took it and you know cued and some mastering. And we wouldn't mess with levels. And I think um, a couple a handful of the songs I ended up recutting, um, just putting a microphone in front of me and my guitar in in their studio. Um, so it's I'd say it's kind of half and half. That that album is like a half live and a uh -huh. half studio. You could say the ones with the fiddle and, or well, the ones with the fiddle are cut in that auditorium. Um, and then the ones where it's just me or like on back to Dawson, where it's just me and Emily, um, we, we, we cut in the studio, but it was no overdubs. We just played songs. Um, and that has uh, varied a lot from the way we did uh, the new album. And you can hear it if you listen to the first single, Let Me Down Easy. It, where uh, I think hanging on, we, we knocked that out in three or four weeks. Um, the new album took about six months. Wow. And yeah, I uh, I kind of wanted to do a quote unquote for real album. Yeah. So uh, it's it was it was a much more uh, much more tedious affair. Um, I wish it was tedious. I I had so much fun doing it, but uh, first uh, it, the process was you know first we. Basically, I, we stuck me and my guitar in a, in a room uh -huh. with some two mics on the guitar and a ribbon mic in front of my voice. And uh, I kind of threw a click in my ear so everybody could be, or a metronome, I should say, and so everybody could be on time. And I kind of mapped out the songs and or just played them, you know, structure-wise, like I would at a gig by myself. Yeah. And then we had, uh, we had everybody come in and do overdubs. And, uh, and it, but it's all live instruments. There's no, there's no, uh, digital anything. You know, we, we, I had a good drummer friend of mine. I'll go ahead and name drop all the musicians. Yeah. Um, I'm really, the, the, the big thing I'm proud of on this album is that I, I feel like I kind of rallied up a good chunk of the best, uh, folk and bluegrass musicians in, in the North Georgia area. So, uh, we had drums on a couple songs by, um, a buddy of mine named Shane, Shane Jackson, who plays in a really great band called Fixins. They're more of a they're more of a rock band. Shane was kind of one of the exceptions to the to the folk bluegrass side of things, but uh, he did a great job. You know, just giving a couple of the songs some uh, some backbone. Um, most of it's the songs kind of a mix between I'd say country and bluegrass um, and folk Appalachian folk stuff. Mm -hmm. um, on bass, I had a friend of mine who is a uh, music major up at the university of north georgia and jack of all trades his name is zane cook and he, he played the upright bass um on the mandolin i had uh really this was this was cool because it was a band um one of my guitar teacher as a kid was a big fan of and um was really a big part of the atlanta scene back in the 90s um the mandolin, I had a guy named Matt Mundy who played in the band called Colonel Bruce and the Aquarium Rescue Unit back in the 90s and now plays, um, these days, plays in a traditional bluegrass band uh, called Fontana Sunset that is absolutely fantastic. So check them out if you can. Fontana, um, yeah, Matt, Fontana Sunset? Fontana Sunset. Yeah, okay. I, I believe I'm getting that right. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not letting Matt down there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, it was kind of a jam band back in the day and these days he, he's but i think he has got great bluegrass roots and like i say he plays a bluegrass band now 
And uh, he's just a fantastic mandolin player. I think he uh, really brought a lot of the songs to light. And uh, Fiddle Duty was split between a guy named Wyatt Espelin, who's out of Hiawassee, Georgia. Great music songwriter and musician in his own right. Um, who you should absolutely have on the podcast because he's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, also a professor up at the University of North Georgia by the name of Dr. Esther Morgan Ellis, who's a old-time fiddle player, played on one of my songs. Um, banjo by Brett Cantrell, who is a bluegrass musician, and he owns an insurance company now. And, uh, and then another guy um, named Wyatt, no, I'm sorry, named uh, Elliot Sparron, uh, who is a old-time Clawhammer banjo player, goes by the uh, nickname of Obi-Wan Banjobi. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then uh, Harmonies by harmonies by my good friend uh, Emily Baker. I think that's, I don't think I'm forgetting. Oh, and a couple songs have pedal, pedal Steel by one of my good buddies, Ryan Cross, who plays a couple country bands and also plays in that rock band Fixins with uh, Shane. Fun. And so, you know, I learned a lot about, I definitely learned a lot about production and uh, arranging. And there's a lot of stuff I had to redo because playing something by yourself acoustic isn't ex necessarily the same way you need to play it um, when you're arranging for a band. Was it intimidating, like the first time you ever went into a studio with your first album, I guess? It wasn't yeah. so much because, I guess, because you were with friends, right? Uh, well, the yeah, the first time... The first album, the thing was, there really wasn't that much studio work. I mean, we did some work, and it was a small kind of home studio. Yeah. Um, the second album was was full studio, a full studio production, right? Yeah. So it was it was definitely a big change, and it was a bit intimidating walking into um, a legitimate studio to do the second album for sure. Um, and you know, there was I, this was kind of my, I guess, shot at doing the thing for real. And so, uh, you know, took all the money I saved up from doing music all this time and kind of dumped it on this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there was definitely a pressure of we got to get this thing right. But um, the engineer and producer at the studio, his name is Galvin Calzaretta, and he uh, owns a studio called 460 Sound in Cleveland, Georgia, right in the middle of the mountains. So perfect setting for the yeah. album. But he, did, he does a really good job at... Uh, you know, helping he won't he won't let it get out until he knows it's uh it's perfect. And you know, he was not shy to tell me like, hey, you need to redo that or let's change let's maybe uh he never was like, Hey, you should play this that way, but it was like, you know, what if you tried this or what if you tried this? And I think a lot of that and that's not cool. exactly telling telling me anybody what to do, but helping kind of steer. Yeah. Um, has kind of really made this thing come to life and so uh it's like the phrase i used earlier it's riding the horse in the direction it is going and in his, in his case it's helping you ride the direction ride the horse in the direction he thinks it should go exactly mm -hmm. yeah exactly and uh you know he's been he's really the easiest guy to work with in the world because how'd you find him how'd you i mean somebody's buried in the good old like uh, actually good old mason parker was uh no kidding okay. doing some recording there and when he called me to do that session work for him um that's where he was recording because he's at, he lives in cleveland i'm not sure he's from cleveland I think okay cleveland. yeah he lives in um, cleveland now i think yeah i think he's from cleveland in clarksville but uh so it was right down the road from him. And I remember walking in and seeing the studio because it's a legit balls to the walls. Look like looks like it should belong to RCA studio. 
Uh-huh. I remember in and going, holy crap, here's where I'm making the album. <laughs> That's so cool, man. You just mm-hmm. get that, that feeling. Who was your producer? What was his uh, his name again? His name's Galvin Calzaretta. I think I'm saying that last name right. Yeah. He's a super sweetheart of a guy, um, an absolute magician behind the uh, behind the console. And uh, he's 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 a bad dude. That's cool. I mean, not you know, not that he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just he's good at what he does, which makes him bad. Yeah. Okay. I guess you could say he's the talk of the town, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good tie in there. Yeah, well, that's what I try to do sometimes, I, I, and sometimes it's it's even more blatant. <laughs> but yeah. "Talk of the Town" is another song that that came off your uh, "Hanging On" album, and mm-hmm. that you submitted to us. And again, like "Empty Brown Bottles," it it just hit me so hard because it's got that really good uh, a word I've been using a lot lately. That a word I've been using a lot lately is texture. It has that texture of traditional country with this, uh, with a flavoring of today's Americana. I yeah. really like that song and I like that style. And I guess that's why I really like you and I like Mason's music because you guys both bring those elements together and it works works so well. But that's just me, you know, being a fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, we're going to play it then. The song is called Talk with the Town, Canon Tyler. Some K. 
cowboy's thumb Ain't it fun to be the talk of the town When every able-bodied man and woman knows what's going down Ain't it quick when bad news gets around She thought he was away. He bust into the bar room just as Cash began to play. He was dressed all in black to mourn the love that had died that day. When the firestorm was through, she begged for one more chance. He said, Honey, I've grown old. I'm tired of the dance And in his tail light She cried out why And he asked himself the same Ain't it fun to be The talk of the town When every able-bodied man And woman knows what's going down Ain't it quick Bad news gets around From Dawsonville, Georgia, Cannon Tyler on the Music of America podcast, and that was his last song, Talk of the Town, from his first album, Hang on, Hanging On. So, uh, Cannon, this is the time of the show we call Shameless Self-Promotion. You've got an album out. You've got another one coming out in October. So this is where you say where we can find you, find your merch, find your hats, find your stickers, find your music, and help support you in your endeavors so you can go out and pay for another recording session. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, first things first, I'll say um, give the song a listen. Um, the new single is Let Me Down Easy, and it's out on spotify and apple music and amazon music and pandora and youtube and wherever you listen to music that's my pitch i use when i'm playing and live what was um, that album what was that album title bang uh the album is going to be called uh thickets and brambles thickets and brambles okay and uh the i guess the, the theme of the album it's kind of a loose um it's kind of a loose storyline that runs through the album of uh i guess growing up and um the i I say the ever-changing um and urbanizing uh southern tip of appalachia and uh you know the north georgia countryside which is uh it's it has changed a lot in the last um 30 20 15 even 10 years and it's going to keep changing um and there's just a, a big dichotomy between you know a rapidly urbanizing area and kind of the natural wonderland that is, you know, the, the Southern tip of the Appalachian mountains down here. Um, and it's kind of an album that deals with, uh, watching the place you love change and growing up and, um, 
dealing with some of that stuff and yeah. also the way uh the life the way your life changes along with the, the kind of the changing landscape and uh, i'm really proud of it and that'll be out october 27th um again let me down easy is the first single and there's likely to be another single coming in september and those will be available on all your favorite streaming services if you want to follow where i'm going to be playing you can look me up on the on the interwebs at canontyler.com and i'm on spotify and facebook and i post all my gig schedule schedules on there um you can find me uh usually playing if you're if you're located anywhere near uh kind of southwestern north carolina around uh you know murphy hayesville franklin those areas or if you're in eastern eastern tennessee between like chattanooga um cleveland or anywhere in the north georgia mountains um look out because i'm probably going to be in your area at a little bar somewhere <laughs> and uh also keep an eye on the website um canontyler.com for merch that'll be coming up available around the time the album comes out perfect man sounds good canon it's been fun oh i should say canon with one n c-a-n-o-n that's that's right c-a-n-n-o-n yeah canon like the camera not the heavy artillery that's right that's right so uh, so people don't get lost or confused we've been with canon tyler from dawsonville georgia and canon again thank you and thank you for your gift and your art i just i love your music man keep it coming keep it coming keep it coming tom it's a pleasure to be on um we'd love to next time you circle around in georgia i would love to come back and talk to you got to got to make a trip down there man and between between you and mason and some friends i've met over in alabama alabama, alabama. <laughs> i just just got to get down south well thanks again canon and up next we're gonna have a story of a woman who was in a band the band broke up, and now she's getting back into the game. Join us tomorrow, Music of America podcast, and meet Rebecca Stone. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.